Normally got a couple of commercials right here, but we've got to get this show started, get the show on the road. Andy Griffin with you live. This is the Andy Griffin Show. It's Candidate Monday as we get the four candidates for city council here in St. George on the air. We have uh, Greg Aldred batting leadoff here. Greg, how you doing, man? Sorry, let me get let me get the right button push. Let's try that again. Okay, good morning, Andy. Yeah, I like being leadoff hitter. Maybe I'll lay down a bunch here. See if I can get on base. There we go. How that's, about that? That's my fault. Somebody had messed with the buttons here in the studio. We got them fixed now. You sound great. Okay. Good morning, everybody. You sound fantastic. Uh, basically, what's going to happen today is I've got a, a set of questions uh, with some variants on them, and I'm going to ask each candidate the same questions. Uh, I don't want to treat anybody unfairly. Everybody gets about 10 minutes, and uh, we'll just get it rolling. First one's an easy one. Tell me about yourself, Greg. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, I've... Lived here almost 40 years, can't believe it. Married to Carol for 37. She's awesome. the best. We've had five daughters, raised them all here, and most of them went to Dixie or the college. And uh, that blesses me with many grandkids, Andy. And and uh, I guess for my background, I've got a lot of uh, experience in energy, infrastructure, road construction, thermal energy. I'm, I'm not a politician, but I've served in a leadership role, state and county delegate, I'm a precinct chair. Been the president of the Dixie Sunshiners, as I know you are Sunshiner too, Andy. That's right, yeah. Red Rock Rotary served there. I've been a National Golden Gloves coach. Blessed to do that. The DRF, Dixie Republican Forum president, chair of Southern Utah Home Builders. But I've never been elected to an official position in government, but I have served as a volunteer director for attorney Sean Rias, his campaign. I... I believe in Sean's fight against child trafficking and protecting our seniors from fraud and his uh, service on uh, opioid addiction. So that's a little about me. Awesome, Greg. I appreciate that. Uh, now, obviously, there's some big issues facing St. George. As you uh, embark on possibly getting onto the city council, what would you say, in your mind, what are the maybe top two or three issues? Good. Well, public safety will be a key, but I've moved water to the top of the list, Andy. Water, yeah. You know, with... Uh, the federal government being involved in the Colorado River, and we're seeing that Lake Powell pipeline basically get shut down. I, I know a lot of us are saying, well, that's our water rights, and I agree, but, you know, the feds come in and, you know, where Lake Mead's levels are, and they've kind of shut that down. So we do have other water projects going. Uh, we've been asked to conserve water, and, and we're all doing a good job there, but I I have uh, kind of sparks a nerve when we ask to conserve and then... Uh, our city thinks that uh, new construction is the only way to support ourselves. And so are we conserving to sell more building permits, or what are we actually doing there, Andy? That's the question I'm getting hit a lot with. Yeah, yeah, good question. That leads right into my next question, uh, growth being one of the big issues here. Uh, you know, there, there's talks about building moratoriums and now how that's not really yeah. very realistic. Uh, yeah. Growth is an issue here. We are exploding here. Yeah. Fastest growing state, one of the fastest growing cities in the state. Yeah. What, Greg, would you do about that? What can you well, do about it? Well, you know, city council can do a lot there. Um, I'm not against growth, and people have to understand that. But when we're at over 18% and our local government thinks that's our only tax base to to uh, survive. Five uh, percent's a healthy growth, Andy. Yeah. And to put that in perspective, our county's at 200,000, so St. George is close to 100,000 people. So five percent, that's uh, 10,000 people a year, people. Wow. So five percent, that's filling up the Dixie or the Burns Arena twice 
five percent's healthy, but when you're at over eighteen percent plus, uh, that spells disaster. And you can see it in our affordable housing. One of the solutions I have is that each developer, and they're coming from all over. I, I support our local developers, mm-hmm. our local people. Uh, we can require them to put fifteen percent of whatever division they are building to be uh, back to our service industry. So they would have to give, for an example, uh, you have a 1,000 building lots, 150 of them would go to our service industry. We'd waive the impact fees. They'd give us the lots at cost, and we'd structure that service industry person to purchase it like a rural loan would, like the old farmer home loan where they couldn't profit from it. But they could be here and live and have a house. Very good. Just one thought. Maybe a 40-year mortgage, too. Okay. Uh, let's talk about affordable housing now. Uh, like many people, I, I raise kids here. They went off to seek their fortune, and what, what I would like to have, have happened was to have them come back here. They can't come back because yeah. they can't afford it to live here. They can't, and government solution seems to be uh, build high-density housing. And I've had many people tell me it's not the duty of government to build affordable housing. I agree with that, but it's our uh, responsibility to supply you with the service industry, which are people of of us, you know, teachers, emergency services, firemen, mm-hmm. police department. To me, every job's essential. So there is a pathway to make that happen. And I might have hit on some of them where the developer would put away certain lots and then <clears throat> also, <clears throat> excuse me, that those that purchase those homes would not profit from them. And that'll just be the, the deal to do business here. And we could stretch it out to a 40, 50 year mortgage. I, I probably won't be alive to see that, but just make it affordable for them. Make it more affordable. Okay. Uh, obviously, I see your Dixie shirt, Dixie name. Uh, the yeah. university announced they want to change the name. It's gone through a lot of processes, but uh, the community as a whole seems to not be happy with what the Dix- what the university has decided to do. Is there anything the city council, if you're a city council, anything you can do about that? Yeah, there's there's a lot. I, I like Jimmy Hughes' suggestion about taking 700 and making that uh, you know, the Dixie University Boulevard and branding our name wherever we can. But important, uh, most important, and the people can help here too, is it's going to be our legislators up there up north who's going to make that decision. Call them and tell them, hey, I can't fathom having a university in our town where we're every time we drive by it because they want to rebrand or rename it and cancel our culture and our heritage of building it to say, hey, I don't like that. I mean, let's welcome it. And the the enrollment is up so high, Andy. I know I'm kind of preaching to the choir here, but mm-hmm. this there's no shame in that name, and I wear this shirt proudly. Uh, okay. Uh, I had one of our listeners call me and talk to me a little bit about this, and I thought this is a fascinating question. Uh, we talk about, in this day and age, there's so many different places where we get our knowledge from, some of it factual, some of it not. He thought uh, it would be kind of a cool question to ask each of our candidates, where do you get your knowledge from? What, what websites do you go to? What do you listen oh, to? Okay. Well, you know, I, I do fact check as much as I can. I, I like St. George News. Uh, I do uh, listen to political too. There's a, a lot of uh, different, and I, I should claim that I, I feel that I am a conservative. Mm-hmm. I, I do like your show. I mean, you inform good. us. That's so a good gonna, answer. I'm going <laughs> to plug you there, Andy. Hope I get your vote. But good answer. Uh, and you know, there's some others. Uh, Kate Daly, I think, is very informative. Glenn Beck, uh, Miss Rush. Uh, but even yeah, though, when yeah. when we get those that information, I, I still try to 
check it as much as I can. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in this world. And that's why elect me so we don't have those problems like everybody in those other cities are having. The coronavirus, obviously, top of everyone's mind all the time. Uh, did local leaders handle our our kind of version of the coronavirus here in southern Utah well enough? And what would you have done different? Okay, well, Andy, I'm not I'm not going to run on criticizing what what they've done and all that. But if if I was there, and I'm hopefully will be there, you know, it's it's about freedom. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you, as we both know, have experienced uh, COVID. Yes, I did, and uh, <laughs> I did too. And so, yeah. uh, I mean, it was touch and go. I think the protocol for the hospital could change. I think uh, immunity is so powerful within ourselves, but it is a, it's your rights, and it's your issue of right. And so when you're upset for, at somebody who's unvaccinated, and, but the person who's vaccinated is wearing a mask supposedly to, to make sure they're okay, uh, disease is always going to be there. You look at the numbers. This is a, a highly survival thing at what 99.3 percent survival rate yeah we'll always have death i i've lost close people either way but i, I businesses have a right to serve or not uh, it comes to me uh, down to the point of liberty it is a choice and if you're not comfortable and especially if you're sick stay home my gosh you know yeah think about others when it comes down to that now on the mandates oh boy that's that's a word that that's a uh, bad word bad bad word so <laughs> okay. i'm not about mandates for sure final 30 seconds greg aldred we're talking with him running for city council greg what differentiates you from the other candidates well uh, again really uh, re- reigning in the growth andy uh, mm-hmm. uh, again our, our government here i'm not running for the government that's probably what the difference is and they're all good people we all have history here mm-hmm. including myself so i'm about the people i'm going to be transparent if you want to know a little more about me, you can go to gregforutah.com. Uh, that is the number four, greg4utah.com. And there's some fun videos and some information about me. Awesome. He's Greg Aldred. Thank you, Greg, for coming on today. It's great Thanks to for having me, Andy. Good luck at the senior games. Appreciate it. All right, we've got to get a commercial break in. When we come back, Vardell Curtis will join me live on the air. Good morning to you, 918 on KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for tuning in. It's City Council Candidate Monday today. Vardell Curtis joins me live on the air. Hi, Vardell. Hey, good morning. How are you? Thanks for coming in. I know you've been on the show before, so you have a little bit of experience in this. uh, I've I've been in the studio before. I love the view that you get every day. It's beautiful. Should have seen the sunrise this morning. It was unbelievable. Uh, Anyway, uh, well, uh, again, the the rules, no rules. Just uh, basically, I'm going to ask you the same questions I asked uh, Greg, with some slight variances as as we make our way through the conversation. First one's an easy one. Tell me about yourself. I have. uh been a St. George resident since 1990. I relocated down here with a job opportunity mm-hmm. and um, liked what I saw, raised my children here. They're all grown adults now with children of their own. And this is my home since 1990. I love it here. Love it. All right. Uh, well, uh, you've been uh, obviously on the city council. You maybe have a, some perspective on this. Tell me what you think the biggest issues are facing St. George right now. You know, there's there are a number of issues. Uh, certainly water is going to be, I think water will be the limiting issue. Yeah. And one of the things that we have the least amount of control over, but it's still significant. And, and maybe if I could, I could just share with you a little bit about 
some of the things that we are doing to be proactive in that regard. Okay. A lot of people don't realize that there are 755 miles of culinary water pipelines. Now, once you put that infrastructure in place, it's not one and done. You now get to maintain that and make sure that it continues to function properly. We have 21 storage tanks uh, that have a 59 million gallon capacity. Wow. Uh, a lot of people, and I didn't realize this myself, but the fish pond out by the the softball complex, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a recreational fish pond, but that's also a storage for reuse water. Nice. So there are a number of things that we have done, but water will be a challenge. As I suggested with the um, with the culinary water lines, you know, roads, bridges, all the infrastructure that we have in place, it is aging in place, and so I think we have a duty and an obligation to make sure that those things are maintained and taken care of properly. So there are a number of issues. Uh, I I know that uh, attainable, affordable housing is going to be a challenge. That's not unique to us, by the way. That's a phenomenon that's happening in every city and every state that I'm familiar with. And so, yeah, we, we have issues that we want to be aware and attentive to and do the things that we need to do. Let's talk about one of those issues, growth. What needs to be done? And more specifically, what can you do, Vardell, if you get elected, to deal with this explosive growth we're experiencing? Well, I'm not sure that there is an answer, an easy answer to that, simply Mm -hmm. because we live in a free market, and I support a free market. People, for the same reasons that you and I are here, people want to live here. I think our job isn't necessarily to put a gate on I-15, and determine who gets to come in and who doesn't. Right. I think our job is to make sure that when they get here, that they have the services and the amenities that you and I have grown to love and appreciate. So I'm not so much about building moratoriums or limiting growth. Uh, I think that supply and demand, I think that um, the free market is probably where I'm going to put my trust. Okay, let's go back to affordable housing. As I've told you before, I've got five kids. Three of them are grown adults, married, you know, working on their own families. I would love for them to come back here. They would love to come back here, but they can't afford right now to buy a house in St. George. You know, Andy, every one of my children I have exported. Uh, they've grown and moved, and in gen- generally that move is not because they don't want to live here, but it's because they can live somewhere else and the salaries will support and sustain them where they are. Right. So I think that we have more issues than just the cost of a house. I think our wages, our salaries are mm. an, a significant challenge for us, which I guess is why I'm very supportive of Tech Ridge. I see that as an economic opportunity to bring in higher-paying jobs. Here's the challenge, in my mind. You can't hardly walk into business in St. George or in Washington County and not see a help-wanted sign. Right. There are jobs available. I think, unfortunately, we have de-incentivized people to go back to work because of government subsidies, and that, to me, is, is a tragedy. I think that we have jobs. I think that they need to be uh, comparable in, in salaries to our uh, living wages. And if we can address that, it's a multifaceted issue. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the Dixie State name. The university proposed a while back that they were going to change the name from Dixie State uh, to, well, they had several suggestions. They finally settled on Utah Tech. Uh, Most 
citizens that I've been able to tell listeners of this show uh, are against Dixie State changing their name. Where are we at on that, and what can you do about that? What, what's your position? Okay, so now we're going to separate city council from me as an individual. Okay. As an individual, three of my kids have graduated from Dixie State in, in whatever iteration it happened to be at the time they were going to school there. I've had season tickets all sports season tickets since I moved here. Wow. I find no issues with the name, period. Uh, I've, I think people choose to be offended. Mm-hmm. I choose not to be offended by the name Dixie. Okay. Now, having said that, and, and now putting going back to the Cindy Council, I think we've been very clear on, on a, our position that there's nothing wrong with the name Dixie either. In fact, we're currently working on getting the Dixie Sugarloaf as a national register so that it will be the Dixie Sugarloaf forever. Mm-hmm. The part that does frustrate me, and I'll, I'll be very candid here, I don't like how that whole movement has been weaponized and politicized to the point where individuals would suggest that it, you're either with us or you're against us. Right. I am not against it. In fact, I've attended some of the rallies that have been on the campus I've had one-on-one conversations with, with Tim Anderson and with Eileen Hacker. They know that I'm supportive of maintaining the name Dixie. Very good. All right. Uh, one of our listeners suggested this, and I agree. Uh, they wanted to know where, where do you get your info from in this convoluted uh, society in which we live in, where you can basically find a website for any opinion you might have. It's important to know where our, council, our, our, our uh, city council candidates get their information from. What do you listen to? What websites do you frequent? Well, uh, clearly I listen to your radio show <laughs> and, and the ones that follow it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's... From you, I get my local news, uh, not just you exclusively. Um, even, I read the newspaper front to back, and I know I'm, that makes me a little bit of a dinosaur. It's actual newsprint? It's actual <laughs> newsprint. My fingers are black when I'm okay. done. But um, I like local news. That, to me, is where I need to be most engaged. I like your radio program. I like the newspaper. I like some of the online uh, resources like St. George News and mm-hmm. others. Um, but I watch television, too, and I can find there's no shortage of networks that will have local, state, and national news. Very good. All right. Uh, let's see. We've got about four minutes left. Let's talk about coronavirus for a minute. I don't want you to be critical of past administration, but uh, the way things have been handled with the coronavirus, the mandates, the shutdowns, now the, now we've got a vaccine mandate that they're talking about. Uh, is there anything that, as a city councilman, you could have done or you would have done differently? Well, you know, the the crazy thing about the COVID-19 is a year and a half ago, nobody knew for sure what they were dealing with. Uh, Is it a pandemic? Is it an epidemic? Is it just a variant of the flu? My, I guess my position has always been, you do you. If if you're not comfortable with a vaccine, don't get it. If you're comfortable with a vaccine, then by all means, get it. If you're not comfortable wearing a mask, then don't wear one, but... That also means that now you have to be respectful of people or businesses that do have those types of positions on it. So could we have done anything differently? I think the city, and keep in mind, I've only been there since February, Mm -hmm. but I have been paying attention to what's going on. I think they used the best information that they had available, which was probably Dr. Blodgett, uh, and being able to follow CDC guidelines. I think we know more today than we knew a year and a half ago. We just need to become educated. But at the end of the day, 
I'm not going to judge anybody that wears a mask or doesn't wear a mask, that gets a vaccination or doesn't get a vaccination. Uh, you do you and I'll do me. Very good. Uh, Vardell, uh, one last question. We've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, what differentiates you from the other candidates? Uh, you know, my, my, uh, my campaign right now is Experience Matters. Mm-hmm. And I would like to believe that all the things that have led me up to this point in my life even though they were not politically motivated, all those public uh, organizations that I served in leadership positions with, whether it was at the hospital or on the Habitat Advisory Committee, uh, all of those things have brought me to a point right now where I think I have a pretty good understanding not only of business, but also of our community. Uh, Serving on the Planning Commission was huge in terms Mm -hmm. of learning the government methodology. Yeah, how long were you on the planning commission? I was on the planning commission for about a year. Okay. Uh, and then appointed um, in February of this year to be on the city council. So never been elected, only been appointed, and I'm working hard to be elected. Very good. He's Vardell Curtis. Vardell is, uh, what, 1990, you said, right? 1990. That's 31 years. Yes, it is. You got here right before I did. Um, And I'm glad they didn't close the door when either one of us got here. (laughs) That's a good point. Uh, He's Vardell Curtis running for city council for St. George City. Vardell, thanks for coming in and spending a few minutes with us. You know, thank you. And I I would just encourage everybody to vet the candidates. Become a informed voter. Do you have a website or a phone number or anything you want to mention? CurtisForCityCouncil.com. And it's F-O-R, CurtisForCityCouncil.com. There you go. Very good. Uh, Vardell Curtis. Thanks, man. Thank you. Good to talk to you. It is 9.30 now, 9.29 and a half. Uh, we're going to check in with weather when we come back. Uh, again, we've got Natalie and Michelle on deck. Welcome back. I'm Andy Griffin. Thank you so much for tuning in today as we interview the city council candidates for St. George City. We had Greg Aldred. We had Vardell Curtis. Now we had Natalie Larson in the house. Hi, Natalie. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing great. You seem a teeny bit nervous. Just a little. Just a, Just a little. Okay. Everybody's like, how can you do that radio thing every day? I'm like, I don't know. Just do it. That's, that's part of the job. Well, you make it sound easy and good. <laughs> well, you'll be great. Uh, basically, folks uh, that are just tuning in, asking, having the four candidates on for the two city council spots in St. George City, um, I'm asking them all essentially the same questions. There's a slight variance here and there, but for the most part, the exactly exact same questions. And we'll start out. Natalie Larson is with me. Natalie, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm a native to Southern Utah and have been a resident of St. George City since 1967. Wow. That that makes me old, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And um, my father was athletic director at Dixie State. Well, actually, it was Dixie Junior College at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I graduated from Dixie High School and Dixie College. I've been married for 37 years to Milt Larson of the former Larson's Frost Stop. I should say the Larson's in Larson's Frost Stop. We've had five wonderful children raising, not raising, have four children still. Um, I love this community. I've been um, self-employed for most of my married life. I love this community and all it's offered me and my family. Self-employed, what do you mean? Uh, You have a business? um, We were the owner-operators of Larson's Frost Up until 2002 when we sold it. Since then, we have developed other small businesses in the area, and that's what we do today. All right, Natalie, if I were to ask you what the biggest issues facing St. George and the City Council are right now, what would you say the the big top two or three issues are? Well, of course, water is always going to rise to the top of issues. If you look at the, the Washington County Water Conservancy District, they have built this 
I'm aware of since the 1950s when they started putting reservoirs in this area. The infrastructure is widespread throughout the county. I think enterprise is not a part of that. But um, we have got to look at ways besides Lake Powell Pipeline. I am in favor of Lake Powell Pipeline, to be clear. But if you look at what's happened over the last summer, um, 600 million million gallons of water were conserved. There's other ways we can conserve water, starting with the city, watering less on ornamental grass, um, helping our residents turn their um, landscape into desert landscape, which can be beautiful. Um, I think we need to continue to develop these resources and these reservoirs. You know, you've been here a long time. You know growth is an issue. It's it, This city has grown ever since, well, since you've been here, it's been growing. But lately it's been crazy, uh, just explosive growth. Uh, what needs to be done, or maybe more specifically, what can you do as a city council person to help us deal with the explosive growth? That's um, a not just a simple fixed um, answer. It's, it's long-going. As we look at from the planning commission, which I serve as vice chair, um, we have implemented or allowed some things in the city with tiny homes and smaller, we're working on smaller square footage for homes, for single family homes. Um, there's not a reason to raise taxes or sales taxes, which some people have suggested. We have just got to um, look towards um um, ways to work together as a community to make this happen. I know the state Senate has um, come up with a House bill, I think it's 82, for AUDs. Mm-hmm. And that's met with some problems with other CCNR and HOA um, subdivisions of St. George where they have built those communities to not have another dwelling with on a single-family lot. Interesting. Okay, let's talk about affordable housing now. Uh, I have three sons that are all married and and raising families of their own. They all want to come back to St. George. They would love to live here. They can't afford to buy a house here or even necessarily pay rent here. Uh, Can we do anything about uh, making housing a little more affordable here, Natalie? Well, the current U.S. um, economy has made it difficult for um, this area, particularly as we try to get people to come back to work. Um, labor is more expensive. Mm-hmm. As a member of the Planning Commission, um, I have been supportive of developers who come in who have tried to accommodate this. We shouldn't, however, take away their land rights and make them um, use their property for something it wasn't zoned for or um, to meet that condition. We need to be sensitive to this. Also, we have to look at what's happened with vacation rentals. I think there's 5,500 vacation rentals in the Washington County area. This has taken a lot of single-family homes away from Mm -hmm. the service industry, people who live here, that no longer have these homes available for them. Last year, Dixie State University proposed that they change the name of their university away from Dixie uh, to, well, they had several suggestions. They finally settled on Utah Tech. What are your feelings on the university wanting to change the name Dixie? Well, heritage and history are important to me and this country. Dixie is tied to Washington County's history, including St. George. Dixie is part of my personal history. My great-great-grandfather and grandmother were original settlers 
to this area. They were called to the Dixie Mission in 1957. My dad, Hal Norton, was the athletic director at Dixie College. As a city, we need to tell our story better, the how and the why Dixie got its name. We have to look at the trajectory of changing this university as well. Um, this This university has served our community. I've gone back and taken over 100 credit hours at Dixie after I got my associate's degree to develop myself as a person. I look at the students here that graduate from college who are able to get their education here and stay here locally. Um, when we look at that, how does the Polytech model change that? Do we have to have a 32 ACT to get into that school? Does the cost to local residents go up? And we have to look at the community or the students that will come to Dixie There'll be a transient population not rooted in the community. So I think it's more than one thing when it comes to changing the Dixie name. But I, um, I am from Dixie, and I have no problem saying that. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Uh, I had a listener call me and talk to me. He said, hey, could you ask the candidates where they get their information from? And, and kind of to preface that is in this modern society we have, we have, I mean, if you have an opinion, you can find a website that backs that opinion. Uh, so, uh, Natalie, as you, as you gather information on how you live your life, what are some of the places you go to? What stations do you listen to? What websites do you frequent? Well, Andy, I listen to you because you actually get the person in the studio. It's not quoted. It's not cited. It's the actual person. Like, I love when Zach comes on, when the mayors come on. I get a lot of information from the mayors when you have them on. Rick Rosenberg from the city of Santa Clara, because I don't hear him often, is also is always interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, I also scan the local newspapers, um, and I like to reach out to people individually, particularly when it comes to city matters. If you go right to the source, you get the best information. So um, I can't. We can't depend on Doctor Google or mass <laughs> media anymore. For information, it's better to get it right from the source, or if the paper is cited on the web page, that's even better. I like that, Doctor Google. Very well said. All right. Uh, speaking of doctors, coronavirus has dominated our lives for oh about a year and a half now. Um, did, was it handled well here at the local level? Was there anything that you would have or could have done differently? Well, it's sure easy to be a Monday morning quarterback. My dad it would is. say, "Yeah." Um, in general, if a similar situation situation was arrived i'd look for dr blodgett director of the southwest utah health department he's not a politician and um he's not a member of the media we need to be educated at the issue at hand and allow the ability to choose let me say the ability to choose again um he was not for mass mandates as i recently heard or um forcing people to get the vaccination he was in favor of People being educated, going to their personal physician and getting your information there. Um, I do think um, the city was not responsible for any mandates that came from the state and federal government. All right, let's talk about uh, you a little bit, uh, Natalie. Again, we're talking with Natalie Larson, city council candidate. Uh, what differentiates you from the other candidates? Why, why Natalie? And, and just tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'm rooted in the community. I've been a resident here, I think, longer than anybody. I've been involved in, I think, every PTA board just because where we lived, my kids were bused all over town. I have been on the Washington County Water Conservancy District SERPAC Committee. Google that one. 
Um, and it was about a year and a half process of learning about infrastructure, water, and what was going on from people in the county, which was very helpful. I'm vice chair of the planning commission of the city of St. George, which has been a sharp learning curve for even somebody who's lived here. There's so much goes on with staff and with the city as a whole. I don't think um, I would be prepared for this as it is. I also stand, um, serve on the steering committee for the general plan for the city of St. George, which is at one more deeper level of knowing what's going on, what the plan is, and things that citizens can be involved in that I think they should be involved in. The citizens need to speak up and speak out. I want to be that voice. I know it's hard to come before planning commission or meet with city staff. I've done it myself as a small business owner. That your voice needs heard. You need somebody up there who will listen to you and will speak for you. Very good. She's Natalie Larson. No need to be nervous. You did great, Natalie. Thank you. (laughs) It's 944 on KDXU. It's uh, City Council Candidate Monday. Tomorrow, by the way, the mayors will be on uh, on the program as well. So we'll, we'll talk with the mayoral candidates, I should say. Jimmy Hughes and Michelle Randall will be joining me. Real quick, I want to thank Joe Shoney, local loan consultant, focusing uh, on customer service. That's his specialty. Go to socialsurvey.me and read about all the reviews, 560-plus reviews, giving him an average score of 4.91 stars. Pretty phenomenal. That's Joe Shoney. More candidates. Actually, we've got one left. Michelle Tanner will join me right after this. Welcome back. Making our way through the city council candidates. We uh, talked to Greg. We talked to Bardell. We talked to Natalie. And now Michelle Tanner joins me. Hi, Michelle. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to have you on the program today. Uh, again, we just ask all the candidates basically the same questions with a little bit of variance in there, depending on the answers and stuff. And then uh, we just go from there. Now, uh, and I'm going to start by saying you're young. You're very young, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I get that a lot. I haven't hit the big three zero yet. Even. <laughs> hey, I'm glad that uh, you don't think I've hit the big three zero, but I am 33. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, you look great anyway. Thank you. Uh, let's start it off with uh, maybe just having you tell us a little bit about yourself and why uh, why you're running. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's actually one thing I've heard people say is, oh, you're too young to do this, which I think is ridiculous because course, you're never yeah. too young to have a spine, to stand up for freedom, stand up for liberty. And really, this last year, well, I'll start by saying I'm from here. I grew up in St. George, and I absolutely love it here. I'm raising my kids here. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner. I've worked in emergency medicine for the last decade, so that's kind of my background. And for the last three years, I've been a small business owner here in town with a small medical clinic. So I have a lot of life experience, even though I may seem young to get involved in this realm, which I never necessarily aspired to do anything like this, but (laughs) it is our civil, civil responsibility to be involved in our local communities. Those sound like high-stress jobs, by the way, that you've managed <laughs> so, yeah, to handle. Yeah, I'm used so, to that high-stress, for sure. <laughs> very good. All right. Uh, if you were to look at St. George as a whole, what would be the biggest two or three issues that St. George is facing right now, in your opinion? Yeah. So I know everyone talks about water. That's obviously a big one. Anytime you live in the desert, that mm-hmm. needs to be something that we are always constantly seeking out sources for and, and expanding those projects. I actually uh, just recently did a video with Zach Renstrom over at the Water District. He okay. is awesome, great resource when it comes to all of our local projects that we have going on here, because that's one thing I actually get a lot in the community is people will come up to me and they'll say, 
how in the world are we allowing people to live here when we have no water? So I think that education is key as far as what we are actually doing and what's in the quote pipeline, so to speak, when it comes to water in the community. So that's a big one. Public safety is actually a big issue, especially as we're growing a lot. Mm -hmm. I think some people don't realize the amount of crime and actual need for more law enforcement, especially as we're growing. I could tell you all sorts of stories with, you know, doing medical clearances and, and even personal stories of people not going to jail that normally would go to jail, but because of staffing issues, COVID restrictions, things like that, there's actually criminals walking around that normally would go to jail. And to me, that's a big issue because government 101 is protecting life, liberty and property. Very well said. All right. One of the other issues is growth, a tremendous growth. Uh, somebody threw out the number 18% a year right now. Uh, I know that I know this. St. George is one of the fastest growing cities in the fastest growing state yeah. uh, in the nation. Uh, what realistically can the city council do to help control growth? Right. Yeah. And I mean, who wouldn't want to live here, right? I mean, sure. it's, it's such an amazing place. And I believe in the proper role of government, which, like I mentioned, is to protect life, liberty, and property. I don't think we need to be looking to government for all of these solutions, such as, you know, growth. I don't think it's government's place to put these artificial growth numbers. It comes down to the free market and allowing it to do its thing. And, you know, right now we are in a boom in the life cycle of the city, which, you know, can be a good and bad thing. But I think we are actually limited really in what we truly can do as a city council to quote unquote control the growth. Now, I do think it's important to make sure that we have the water, the infrastructure and things like that to support that growth. But I don't think we can put an artificial number on that. Okay. Uh, my uh, my three sons have uh, grown up. They've got families of their own. Now they would love to live in southern Utah, but realistically, uh, they can't afford to live here. Uh, what needs to be done? Can anything be done to make, uh, well, housing and living more affordable here in St. George? Yeah, I think it comes down to free market, free market, free market, mm-hmm. letting private builders see the need for more affordable housing. Now I'm not talking about like section eight government affordable housing, but Hey, if someone sees the need to build starter homes on smaller lots, Hey, I am all for that to provide those opportunities. Um, You know, the other thing is wages and income. I mean, even me personally, I worked outside of Utah for Mm -hmm. a number of years simply because I could make a heck of a lot more money driving down to Vegas than I could here. So allowing those competitions to come in as well to create those higher wages. I remember, uh, Michelle, moving here. I moved here, I think, 92 or 93. And the joke was, well, the people that work at the university, they work there. It's a retirement job because they can't afford to actually, you know, live off of that. And uh, so this has been an issue for a long, long time. Yeah. Definitely. Wages versus affordability. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Dixie State name. Dixie State proposed last year to change the name from Dixie State University to well something else. Eventually, they settled on Utah Tech. What are your feelings about what the university has proposed and where that's at right now? Go Dixie! I am a Dixie girl through and through. I received my undergraduate degree from 
Dixie State University. And guess what? I've never, ever had difficulty finding a job. But Nobody's that's, that's ever not what they would have you me. believe, is it? Oh, I know. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, please show me the person who's ever had difficulty finding a job because their degree came from Dixie State. Our enrollment is at all-time levels. Truly, the name is not an issue. I stand behind the name. And to be honest, it's not actually the name change so much that bothers me as the why. Mm -hmm. Why are we allowing cancel culture to take reins in the community? I believe if you give them an inch, they will take a mile. And so, yeah, at the city level, we are a little restricted. Obviously, we don't have control over the university. But I do think we need to use our voice and stand behind the community. All right. I had a listener call me the other day and say, hey, you know what I'd really like to know about our candidates is where do they get their information from? And and that is stemmed off of the uh, there are so many places to get what people deem truth. If you have an opinion, you can find a website that's going to back that opinion. So they wanted to know where do our candidates get their information? What do you read? What do you listen to? Uh, What do you think? Ah, This is a great question and honestly a huge issue because this is, I actually put out a post on social media Mm -hmm. not too long ago that asked the same question of where are you guys finding reliable news information? Because I do like to get a wide variety, actually. I like to know what both sides are saying and Mm -hmm. thinking. And so I will, I'll look on, you know, complete polar opposite sides, total liberal mainstream media to, you know, total conservative media as well, just to kind of get a overall view of what's being said. And then I try to find my truth in the middle through doing my own personal research, one-on-one conversations, firsthand experiences, reading studies, actual scientific studies, being in the medical field. I get into a lot of debates, as you can imagine, when it comes to A lot of the things going on over the last year and a half. And for me, I track down the actual study. Don't read what a news commentator is telling you about a study. Actually read the study and you'll be surprised that a lot of the time it's being misrepresented. Used to be, yeah, you could just go to the CDC and whatever they said was truth. And it doesn't feel that way anymore, does it? Yeah, there's a lot of mistrust there. It's been a pretty eye-opening 18 months, to be honest. Uh, you mentioned public safety. I wanted to go back to that for just a second. Uh, part of public safety is traffic, and it, traffic in this town, especially if there's an event going on or right. actually, actually any weekend, I guess, uh, it's gotten kind of crazy. Do you have any thoughts on what you could do as a city council person to help alleviate that? Yeah, that kind of goes back actually to the growth issues of, you know, I'm not against growth, but before these big, huge communities are coming in, we have to make sure that they're also supporting that infrastructure to support these big communities coming in. And I am supportive of the Northern Corridor. We have to improve our roadways and have, you know, even expanding things like 1450 South to go over the river. These things are really important when it comes to local government. Okay, well, obviously the comment's been made by other candidates that if you look back in time, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback and talk about or, or, or have a 2020 vision on hindsight. Right. Uh, but, but going back to coronavirus and how it was handled on a national level, on a regional level, and a local level, do you think we did a pretty good job? And if not, uh, what are some of the things maybe we could have done differently? This is why it is so vital that we have local representatives who understand the proper role of government, because Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what virus or pandemic comes down, that doesn't take away our individual freedom. 
that does not take precedence over the Constitution of our state and of the United States. And I think what we've witnessed is a lot of silence this last 18 months amongst, you know, many people and and representatives as well. And silence in the face of tyranny is dangerous. So I believe we have to leave it to individuals to decide what's best for themselves and their own health. And I adamantly oppose mandates and I adamantly oppose telling someone that they are non-essential. That is not government's role. Very well said. All right, Michelle Tanner, we're talking with Michelle. What differentiates you from the other candidates, Michelle, as we have about a minute left? So I think the biggest thing is I have a track record now of speaking up and being vocal and placing principle over popularity. Hmm. As you can imagine, being a medical professional the last 18 months, speaking out publicly against mandates at many different public events, and really having to make that conscious effort to put my career on the line, my family's livelihood on the line, to speak truth, just shows that I'm willing to do the right thing, even when it's difficult. And that's really what we need in our local representation. I love to hear that. She's Michelle Tanner. Michelle, thank you for coming in today and spending a few minutes with us. And sorry, I said you were under 30. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate that. I'll take it. (laughs) You'll look under 30. So thank you. That's a a good thing. Uh, 958 on KDXU. Again, thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. you Now, mail-in ballots are supposedly being mailed out tomorrow folks so the reason we're having this show is to get all get you uh, more familiar with the candidates uh tomorrow we'll have michelle the other michelle michelle randall along with jimmy hughes on the two mayoral candidates for st george city and uh, we'll talk with both of them uh give you an opportunity as you get that thing in the mail in the next few days to say all right well i listen to the show and i know what these people are all about and then you can color in the little box or whatever it is on the on the ballot and, and fill that in uh again tomorrow mayor Michelle Randall and Jimmy Hughes will be here to talk about some of their thoughts on the very issues that we that we discussed here on the program. Uh, coming up on Wednesday, I believe it's, I might want to look and make sure, huh? I believe it's Washington City Schools on Wednesday. It is. And then uh, on Thursday, we're going to have kind of more candidate stuff on Mayor Thursday. We'll get some mayoral candidates in, uh, not from St. George City, but from some of the, uh, some of the other cities. Uh, that'll do it for today on City Council Candidate Day. Thank you for listening to the Andy Griffin Show. I'll be back tomorrow at uh, 6 a.m.